Moncrief on News Talk. Now, mansplaining exists even in the digital realm. A study carried out by the universities of Glasgow and Cardiff examined the dialogue spoken by 13,000 characters in 50 video games. And men got to speak 50% more than women. Dr. Stephanie Rennick was lead author of that study. Good afternoon, Stephanie. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, Explain to us how you even carried it out, because that's a massive amount of dialogue to examine. It is a massive amount of dialogue, more than six million words. So we used game data, we used um, fan transcripts. Fans online have spent thousands of hours transcribing the um, scripts that they experience in video games. And with some programming wizardry and um, a lot of time and a lot of investigation and uh, a lot of collaborative work, yeah, we managed to identify some big, big striking patterns, I think. Yeah. And, and the, the patterns was, the patterns were that, you know, I suppose the, the, the headline figure is that men spoke 50% more of the time than women do, which is, I suppose, odd, in, in particularly in gaming, in that, that, that as far as I know, the statistics are it's gamers is about 50-50 between men and women. That's correct. Yeah, roughly equal numbers now of men and women play video games. Um, so it, it is surprising. What I think uh, struck us the most were two things. One, um, just how few exceptions there were to that rule. So of the 50 games we looked at, 47, so 94% had men speaking more than 50% of the time, which is really striking. Mm. And the second thing that surprised us was actually when you drill down into those figures, it's not that individual men are on average speaking more than individual women. It's just that there are far fewer women. So only about a third of characters in those games were indeed women, which might go some distance to explaining why they're speaking less. Okay. And and there's also a thing called the Bechdel test. Could could, could you explain what that is first and and how it's used? (laughs) Certainly. So um, Bechdel or the Bechdel test um, is a test that gets you uh, originally, I think, in talking about film. So really low bar that pieces of media meet. And it's spelled out in different ways, but it's usually that does a piece of media contain a conversation between two women, often it's two named women, where they speak about something other than a man. Right, so that's a really low bar. Right, and, yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's not it's not a hugely useful test when thinking about games because games have huge amounts of dialogue often. So you compare that to a film which might have twenty to thirty thousand words of dialogue, maybe. Um, one of the games in our study, Elder Scrolls, uh, Elder Scrolls Oblivion, has seven hundred thousand words of dialogue. Several have more than half a million words of dialogue. Oh wow! So, so it's very easy amongst all of those words for there to be a conversation mm. um, you know, between two women. Although still one game failed that test. But to try and measure um, what the Bechdel test is really just trying to get at, which is who gets to speak to who, we did some statistical analysis and looked at transitions in conversation. So who, whose lines are followed by who, who else's lines and found that even when you account for the lower proportion of female characters overall, men are still more likely to speak to men than we would expect and women are less likely to speak to other women than we would expect. Uh, Were you able to track what kinds of things the men spoke about to each other and what kinds of things the women spoke to each other about in that was, if you like, the male dialogue, the important dialogue that was driving the story, whereas the women were going, where'd you get the handbag? 
that's a really interesting question. So we, we've done some of that analysis, although um, I should say all our data is open access. Um, so we really hope that other people will take on board doing some more of that analysis. What we, what we did find is that uh, women were, women characters were more likely to apologize. They were less likely to swear. They were more likely to refer to family and then they were talking. So, and there were some kind of stereotypical roles they would be found in. And we also found that um, when the player plays a female character in some games, what is said to them varies in terms of their gender. So female characters might get called beautiful and male characters energetic. Female characters might get offered salad and male characters pasta. So yes, we did we did find that there were um these these biases, these stereotypes um in the dialogue. But we do hope that people will uh, come and do further studies yeah. of that kind. And, and it, it, is this just a snapshot in time or did you perhaps look at whether it's changed over the years? We did look at whether it's changed. So our games span from um, the late mid to late 1980s uh, through to now. And what we found was that on average, things are um, headed towards parity. So if we think of parity as being 50% um, female, 50% male dialogue, um, then we found that each decade, things are, are kind of headed towards parity by about 6%. And if things were to uh, keep on at that rate, we would hit parity in just over a decade of 2036. Okay. Yeah, we did track change. We did track change over time. And things are are heading in a given direction, but slowly. Okay, well, we'll have a big party in 2036. Is is this to to do with kind of maybe even an unconscious bias among game designers? Are they all men? Um, You know, it could could well be. I mean, it's certainly likely that at least some of what is happening has to do with uh, unconscious biases that we have about what kinds of roles um, characters of certain genders should play or if we have in mind what sort of gender those characters should be. Um, other studies have looked into the demographics of um, game makers. We were more interested in um, what was going on internal to the game. But what I would what I would say is that I think a lot of what's happening with these patterns just wouldn't be visible if you were looking at individual games. And games are often made by really large teams. So it's not as if any one one person's decision is going to be um, causing these massive patterns, right? It mm. all kind of seems to be uh, emergent. Although some of it has to do with uh, what's going into the code. So, for instance, um, one of the games that we studied, Daggerfall, we found it... It has an algorithm in it that randomly assigns uh, the gender of background characters. But first it checks if they're a guard. And if they're a guard, they're automatically a man. And then if they're not a guard, they get randomly assigned. So in that way, you end up with more men than you than you would have even with this random assignment because of this first check. So I think what's happening is a whole bunch of different factors working together. But as you say, um, you know, there has been quite a lot of talk about uh, harassment and um, gender representation in the gaming industry. So I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if the uh, makeup of developers had something to do with it. With it. Were these all kind of role-playing games you were looking at rather than kind of shoot 'em up games? That's right. So we focused for this study on role-playing games because they're games in which dialogue is a really central mechanic. So we were interested in games where we would have lots of dialogue to work with and it would be quite rich. 
and there would be lots of different kinds of characters. But we hope that other people, we're continuing to expand our data set, and um, as I say, it's open access, so we hope that other people too will start to add data to the data set, and then we can compare what, what things look like in other genres. Now that you've uh, um, conducted this study, Stephanie, are, are you hooked on games yourself? Uh, do you, when you should be grading papers, are you like holed up in your office shooting people on other planets? It's actually the other way around. I was I was really into games, which is partly why I did this research. And then for a while, while we were doing this corpus, games were starting to really feel like work. And so that was great when I wanted to procrastinate from doing my other work because I felt validated in playing. But it wasn't so good at 10 o'clock at night when I thought, what can I do to relax? I had to take up reading again. Oh, no, not reading. That's the worst. I know. Shocking. <laughs> Stephanie, thanks really for speaking with us today. That was Dr. Stephanie Rennick there, research associate in philosophy the school of humanities at the university of glasgow moncrief weekdays at 2 p.m. on news talk